Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And we're off. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here. Ooh, you most certainly have been prolific sending all kinds of wretched articles, stories, sermons, and questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org, for which we are very grateful. I am your steaming hot host, and I don't mean, do you remember that trend? I've got a steaming hot wife. What? No, smoking hot Smoking wife. hot, yeah. Oh, those were pastors. I, I remember. There was a guy who prayed at like the Indy 500. And Lord, I thank you for my smoking hot wife. All righty then. I'm smoking hot, but not in that regard. I'm wear- I'm wearing my smart sweater. Do I look intelligent? You do. Well, I will dis disavow, disallow. I'll make you forget that idea okay. right there. But I got this is like the Fred McMurray Christmas sweater is what I got on ah, right here. I was going to say Fred Rogers. <laughs> That too. <laughs> Anybody named Fred. Please keep sending stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. So it's, it's fine. Just carry on. It's a little hot. That's okay. All right. All right. Fine. This is for not complaining. You're not? Oh. <laughs> Although it is a spiritual gift. <laughs> this is from Russ. Todd, is there a good way to show an older brother that LDS is a road to hell? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would probably start with not just confronting him saying you're on an ACDC highway. Instead, I would with the Mormon person, I found it to be very unhelpful to debate theology. I I just find it very unhelpful to go down that road. Instead, you've got to go for the conscience because Mormonism at its core is a work righteous salvation system. And that means they feel that burden. That's why they have to go be missionaries for two years. That's why they have to love bomb their neighbors. That's why they have to give like a nobody's business. And I'm telling you, the Mormons, they know how to use social media. They are making inroads. These Some of these popular podcasters, they're Mormons. You Google a theological question, you get the LDS church answer right at the top of the search engine. Who they know how to get the word out that they are a work righteous system. And a lot of people buy it because of the love bombing. That is why you need to go for their conscience. Just 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 put it on your brother's head and let it sit. Hey, brother, the Mormon church, basically, in order to get to either celestial, telestial or terrestrial city, what do I need to do? And he's going to say, I've got to be good. Okay, that's a problem because I'm your brother and I know better. Uh, how, are, how are you going to possibly make it anywhere good based on your performance? That's why you need Jesus, the God-man who is not a created being, an eternal being, because you need God 
to be a sacrifice. Otherwise, your sins can't be forgiven by God, and you need a man to represent you. Without Jesus and Christ alone, the true Jesus, bro, you're going to perish. Hey, want to watch the game? And just let it sit or go through the commandments, open up the law and let his conscience convict him. Because if you go down the theological debate road, you're never going to get off. Same thing is true with Jehovah's Witnesses. Hey, you here's another sinless perfectionist. You want to just beat your head against the wall? Go ahead, engage with them theologically. Go after the conscience. Open up the law. That is the realm that needs to be addressed, pricked and probed as much as you can with your Mormon brother idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Chandler. Todd, a while back, I heard you mention on the show that you didn't think smoking is inherently a sin. Could you explain more on your... Um, I'll try to build on what I said, but I think what I, well, maybe I didn't say anything at all. (laughs) Maybe it was just kind of a drive-by comment. I understand that people would say smoking is a sin because it harms the temple. I I think that's a pretty strong argument. I really do. And I, I respect that. And I don't think it's stupid at all, but deodorant harms your temple. There's, there's a lot of things we put into our body. Going outside and breathing the air, if you're in New York City, Los Angeles, you're, you're, you're putting bad stuff into your body. Now, I know smoking, it's an intentional harming of the body. So I, I think if, if you believe that it's a sin, you most certainly shouldn't do it. But because the Bible doesn't say it's a sin beyond just the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, I just, I just don't want to make a law where there is no law. Now, having said that, while I don't think that smoking is a sin, I think it's stupid. That's right. I use the word stupid. It's just not smart. Is, is, there, is there any doubt that it isn't wise to put smoke into your lungs, to shorten your life, the risks that, that are created from doing something that just isn't good for you? So I just want to make a law where there isn't a law. Now, Send me an email in a month or two. I might be persuaded by the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit argument, but at the moment, I land on the side of it's not a sin. It's just stupid. Jimmy? Yes? How'd I do? I think you did good. I think that's good. Yeah, I I get it. It is dumb. (laughs) Very dumb. (laughs) It's, It's addictive. It's costly. You stink. Your breath. It's not just the cigarettes. It's the Altoids that you have to buy just to kind of... Mask it. And you don't, by the way. Altoids don't mask smoker's breath. It just makes smoke smell minty. That's all. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Zachary. Todd, is the NIV evil, corrupt, or satanic? Should I read it? (laughs) Evil, corrupt, satanic. I don't think it's a wise choice anymore. I think the old NIV, uh, it was 95 was the NASB. I, the, whatever the 90s NIV was, it, 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 if, it, if you've got one of those, read it. I don't think it's the best, but I definitely don't think it's the worst. I wouldn't say it's a sin to read it. When we read the Bible, our goal is to understand the text the way the original audience understood it. How can I best do that with a formal equivalent? That's the spectrum of Bible translations. On the right side, you've got formal equivalence. So it's very equivalent. It tries to be as word for word 
but it will change the word order because of the jump in languages, but it is as close to the actual text in Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic as possible. A functional equivalent is along the lines that it's looser. It's just trying to help you get it. It helps you to function and to digest what you're reading. So I think those can actually be helpful. Some are better than others. I happen to think that the NLT is fine to assist you. The NIV is fine to assist you. The problem that I now have with the NIV is the new, new international version. (laughs) Sort of like the strongest Strong's Concordance. There actually is one, you know. I think it was James Strong who put together the concordance, an amazing book that was made before the computer. Every single word in the Bible is cataloged. Every single word. Okay, I don't think they do indefinite, indefinite articles, but I think these or them, all just so many, every word, it's like, oh, it's in that verse, that verse, that verse, that. It's an amazing book. It was James Strong, so it was called the Strong Concordance, but Somehow they made it stronger, so it's the strongest Strong's Concordance. And now we've got the new, new international version. And the big problem with that is the liberties that it takes with genders. Mm. That, that was one of the issues where there's just a blurring of how the Bible actually speaks. And it, and it, and it changes enough that I think that it's no longer a translation that you should lean on because it will start to teach you. When you when you read a translation for now, this is I understand why a translation would do this, that it instead of saying a son of God, it would say the children of God, because I think son of God, because of the society, it was more patriarchal than we know it today. You address the son, you address the family, you address the man, you address the family. So it does mean the family of God. So ladies, don't think that it's it's sexist and leaving you out. But when it makes that jump or it turns singulars into or plurals into singulars, that starts to train you to think, okay, God speaks in general ways as opposed to specific ways. God speaks in broader sense than a really individualized, appropriated sense. So do I think it's a good idea to use the NIV, it's fine. The NNIV, I'd stay away from it. I understand why they do these updates to Bibles. I do, because language changes, and ain't it changing these days. So are you saying the new NIV is the nearly inspired version? No, it's it's not nearly inspired. <laughs> oh. It's further away from the formal equivalent that will teach you exactly what pronoun God is using. I think there's another, if I can, uh, I'll, I'll look at it. There's another issue with the new, new NIV. I, I, I just think you can, you can do better. If you got an old NIV, enjoy it. And by the way, if you're looking to read your Bible more, go to the YouTube machine, type in wretched, read your Bible. I think we've got some helpful hints to perhaps help you consume more of the word this year than you did last year. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 
has 106 love. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. And as you may or may not know at the moment, Transform Season 2, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson, is set to be released February 1st. We're also currently in production with Transform Couples, which will be hosted by Lou Priolo. And coming next Saturday, January 14th, will be the debut of the Transformed Podcast, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford. And you'll be able to find it on all podcast platforms. Transformed has literally been a hit. And the reason is because biblical counseling and the Bible offer real solutions to your issues. Transformed and everything we're able to produce here at Wretched is only possible because of the efforts of our gospel partners. You can get all of the questions you would ever have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner answered right now at wretched.org slash donate. It's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 70 AD. Titus destroys Jerusalem and the temple. The separation between Christianity and Judaism deepens, and Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire, spreading the gospel as they go. God uses tragedy to forward his great commission. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, would you like to see real reality TV? This is Wretched Radio. You say, well, reality TV, it is reality TV. I say, no, it isn't. We have a member on our staff who used to work in Hollywood on the reality TV sets. You name it, she worked on them. (laughs) From American Idol to HGTV to the you know the 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 bachelor stuff all of that garbage reality tv she worked on it and then something happened she got saved (laughs) and found herself unable to work in that environment and she found us and she's been working on transformed with us now for well not quite two years and the story she tells about reality tv you would be you know hgtv (sighs) 
spoiler alert, those people weren't looking at those three houses. It's all set up. It's all concocted. What? <laughs> I know I hate to ruin that for you. Oh. <laughs> because now that we can't watch the Hallmark Channel anymore, which was never a good idea in my opinion anyway, but HD, wait, what? It's all pretend. Yeah. The Property Brothers, they don't really remodel the home. <laughs> and the story she tells, we're working on a new series called Transform Couples with Dr. Lou Priolo. In fact, he's in studio as we speak, and he's counseling a couple that is struggling in a particular area of their marriage. And oh, she's so funny. She'll say, okay, so, uh, and she's kidding. Do, do, you, do you want me to have them throw stuff at each other? No, of course we don't want that. Well, I, I know how to make them do that. What? Yeah, that's what we used to do on the reality TV shows. You're kidding me. Those reality TV shows, they ain't reality. But Transformed Season 2, coming out February 1st, it is real. It is not scripted. It is not directed and maneuvered. It's the real deal. And I just was watching an episode with Sean, a man who doesn't look like he's 60, but apparently he's 60 years old. He's one of those guys who's like um, Mike Riccardi. He looks like Mike Riccardi, but he's not 30 <laughs> or 35, whatever you are, Mike. And he, he, this fellow was struggling with depression and he confessed that he was, he attempted to take his life and his life. Whoa. Heavy, Mrs. Marsh. It is real reality TV, and it shines a spotlight on how the Bible probes and digs to get down to the root of a problem. In this instance, one of the roots that was contributing to anxiety and depression and suicidal ideations was being feelings led. That I make to, how do I feel? That's what I'm going to do. How am I feeling? That's what is by the way that is a problem for too many christians when it comes to assurance issues i don't feel saved it really doesn't matter much and it's not insignificant but it, it it is not the ultimate arbiter of whether or not you're saved on a particular day you can say i don't feel saved well what does god say that's that's what matters you need to be truth led and that's what dr gifford attempted to do with sean it is so good. Look for that February 1st. And speaking of Dr. Gifford, he is going to be hosting a new Transform podcast starting January the 14th. Be looking for it to drop on your favorite podcast site. I think his first, Jimmy, you would know his first episode, but I think it's when people, when you get stuck. Yes. That's, uh, that's it. Yep. I just can't get my motor going and I, I can't make a step forward and I'm not exactly sure and I just feel stagnant. Biblical counseling can address that issue. It's very, I'll say earthy in that it's it's not like Martin Luther earthy. It is very practical. It's, it's so helpful. We hope that you will find the Transform podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford debuting Saturday, January 14th. <sighs> Please send questions. That was one of the longest plugs we've ever done. That's not true. Please send questions, <laughs> comments, conundrums, snarks. Well, I'm just excited about it. Yeah. I'm telling this stuff is, I was watching this episode with Sean and it's like, <gasps> and it's not phony baloney. 
Sorry to wreck HGTV for you, but I'm telling you, this is Reality TV, February 1st. Idea at Ratchet.org. All right, this one comes from Barb. Todd, so many seeker-sensitive pastors these days talk about removing people from your life who are supposedly holding you back. Yeah, right. That doesn't seem biblical more than (laughs) self-centered. There's a potential element of truth. I've, I've seen those sermons. You, you got to, you know, you, you got to quit letting people hold you back, saying things about you, keeping you from achieving your destiny. It tends to come from prosperity, word, faith stuff. Nevertheless, uh, that, that, that's not the way Christians deal with other Christians. We are willing to be with other Christians who aren't as fill in the blank. They don't have as much money. They don't have as much success in the business world. They don't have as many kids. They're not as beautiful. They're not as fill in the blank. That's that's not the way we treat each other. In Christ, we are one and we hang with one another. Now, can there ever be a time where somebody is so, I'm going to use the word toxic, <laughs> that hurt. Somebody is so toxic, they're so bad for you that you have to separate? Yes, there can be those times. But having said that, if they stop the toxic behavior, there should be a willingness to reconcile, to be together, because we 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 aren't um, sectarian. And that was that was the issue that Paul was dealing with in First Corinthians. You say you're of Paul. You say of Europe. Stop that. And we can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, well, I'm in this Bible study. I'm in this homeschool group. I'm a part of this denomination. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You're in Christ. We're one. And we don't have attitudes. We don't have classes. We don't have rungs. And we are willing, those people who are holding us back, then we need to talk to them, work with them, help them, and have honest conversations about what they're doing that might not be beneficial for you. But we don't abandon one another unless, of course, you're in danger. Idea at wretched.org. All right. From Dan. Todd, how would you respond to a man who's deeply concerned about his performance as a Christian? Saved, convicted of sin, but feels like he's still not making all the right choices and feels pulled by the flesh at times. I'm not going to answer the two questions I encourage people to ask when they're struggling with assurance. But here are two. Actually, here are three. (laughs) Number one. Is there a besetting sin in your life? Okay, there is. Kill it. It's, it's most likely the source of your problem. But if it's not that, then it tends to be a theological issue. So I simply ask, the, ask somebody to answer these two questions without Googling it. Define justification. Define sanctification. Now, I'm not going to do that. If you, too, are struggling with assurance because you don't make all the right decisions— You don't do all the right things. You aren't always doing life the way that a Christian should be. Define justification, define sanctification, and most likely you are going to find the solution to your assurance problem. That's your homework. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Amy wants to know, Todd, what does it mean to live an abundant life? That's Jesus. Jesus talks about living an abundant life. Too many prosperity preachers have taken that and turned it nothing into a wealth scheme. Jesus wants you to be rich. Well, that's the world's definition of abundance. Jesus' definition is so radically different, and you see it in different lists throughout the epistles, where you develop fruit of the Spirit, for instance. 
when you are act when you when you increasingly have the mind of Christ, when you endure perseverance, you grow in godliness. That's the abundant life. The abundant life is, you know what? I get waves of depression. I, I get them, and, and 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 I can't seem to stop them. And, and I read my Bible, but they just they just hit me like a tidal wave. Being faithful to God through the depression is living the abundant life. When your actions, your thinking, your emotions are more heavenly, earthly stuff doesn't affect you, but the heavenly thoughts give you earthly joy. Don't forget, your salvation, it actually started in eternity. (laughs) When God, Romans chapter 8, those whom he predestined, so it was basically done. Now, salvation, of course, happens in actual time, but your your justification, it, it endures forever. It's never going away. You, 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 you aren't going to ever lose that. And when you are going about the business of trying to figure out, am I saved at this moment? Am, am, am I lost at this moment? You got to remember the doctrine of justification. Jimmy, you got anything to add to that? No, no, that's that's pretty good. I mean, you're on you're on the right track. I think you're doing a good job, Todd. Thank you for affirming me. <laughs> Appreciate that. When we think more godly, when we think more biblically, we are going to live an abundant life. When you're feeling secure in your faith, my biggest problem has been solved. That's the abundant life. When I don't get angry at my kids anymore, like I used to, that's the abundant life. When people in the freeways don't make me furious anymore, that's an abundant life. When I go through difficult times and seasons, that's the abundant life. Money? That even probably ain't on the list. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. A Senate bill filed late Wednesday in Oklahoma looks to prevent those under the age of 26 from having access to body mutilation. The latest sign that conservatives are seeking to block the procedure for not only children, but people well into adulthood. I'm not finding too much about that that I disagree with. Just like the law that was upheld in West Virginia earlier this week by a federal judge that prohibits biological boys from playing on girls' teams in a decision that one legal group called a win for reality. Yeah, I'll definitely amen that statement. But did anyone think five years ago we would have to amen someone saying that a winning court case was a win for reality? What a time to be alive. A Protestant woman in Mexico was left in critical condition after her local village leaders reportedly tied her to a tree and severely beat her. That's according to Christian Solidarity Worldwide, a persecution watchdog, who says that the woman, a member of the Great Commission Baptist Church in her community, remains in intensive care following the assault, and no one from any other village is permitted to visit her. The incident took place in December when the woman visited her property after a neighbor asked her to remove two trees. And the attack was called forth by Roman Catholic leaders in that community. According to the report, there's a Catholic majority in the village, and it's previously been accused of forcing the Protestant minority into Catholic villages or driving them out altogether. 
And a pastor in western Uganda currently remains in intensive care after a Muslim extremist poisoned him and a Christian couple in November. The pastor was meeting for prayer with the couple who were recent converts from Islam when seven Muslim extremists intruded into the home and the group began trying to force them to eat cooked bananas laced with fungicide, which caused poisoning. The husband in the incident said it was a real struggle in the home. Three men held the pastor down and the remaining four were on the necks of the couple. The husband said, quote, we took little pieces of bananas before escaping but the pastor could not escape. Within three hours of the attack, the pastor was suffering nausea, vomiting, stomach cramps, and diarrhea. The husband and his wife had the same symptoms after five hours. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Leviticus is the guidebook for the priests and Levites as they attend to their duties in the temple. In Leviticus, we learn that God is holy, sin is serious, and that God requires a sacrifice for atonement. Thankfully, we have complete atonement in the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Call me. That was great. This is Ratchet Radio, and that is the number of the old toll free, which hints it's free, which means as an evangelical, it is your duty, it is your obligation to take advantage of something free. In fact, it's a sin if you don't. Okay, that's maybe crossing the line just a little bit. Hey, here's a little assignment for you. If you are wanting to process a sermon that you're listening to, pay attention to what is being said, but listen for two categories, law, gospel. Listen, because sermons very easily can become all law. Do, do, do. If you listen to a sermon and you hear an imbalance, then you got to make sure that you do some internal correcting, because if you're getting too much law, you're going to get too much depressed. You're going to be lacking assurance, and you're going to feel the yoke that Jesus has removed from you if you're hearing nothing but gospel and no encouragements for sanctification. You're going to become lackadaisical. Either way, you're out of whack. Listen for law. Listen for gospel and call one 877 Hey, Todd. Whenever I'm driving and someone cuts me off, this is what I do to keep from getting mad. I just simply say to myself, that guy drives like I do. Works every time. Yeah. <laughs> How quickly are you able to say that? I'm just wondering because sometimes it might take me a few miles to get it under control. I, it, I think driving, while it's been overused, nevertheless, it could be perhaps the best example of how you and I can really be. I'm not saying we're a hypocrite in that we don't believe it, but just so duplicitous. I am certain that I have made some of the boneheaded moves that people just this morning did in front of me. Or I wasn't driving fast and I didn't accelerate fast enough. That which, by the way, so this this is this is mm, we're me monsters, aren't we? How much we love ourselves and how much grace and slack we give to ourselves. I think I just read a Ted Tripp quote. It was a tweet. 
He said something along the lines of, when when I consider the patience God has had with me, it helps me with my patience with others. That, that should be an ongoing exercise. Don't try to just battle your sin when the temptation is in the car next to you. Be working on that attitude ahead of time, and then you'll be less inclined to just automatically be torqued. Because when we remember how badly we can drive, be, okay, Jimmy, here's a little test. Okay. When was the last time, I'm not asking you if you ever have, but I'm just going to ask, when was the last time you uttered something like, these people in Atlanta don't know how to drive. <laughs> this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. We do, don't we? Yeah. I am pokey off the line. I have to confess, look, if this is your bag, you you just beat your car as much as you want to. I tend to baby my car because I see my car as a depreciable asset. And I want to try to break even with that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm that frugal. So I'm very gentle off the line. But now I'm sitting in a stoplight. There's a car in front of me, and they're even gentler. Come on! (laughs) Do you know how many times I've caused people behind me to do that? Now, my problem is I'm slow off the line. I tend to get to the speed and then just keep going. (laughs) So you'll get me on the ramp. I'll get you on the freeway because I just keep flying. That's where I pick up my time. But I get mad at people. Who do the exact same thing yeah, that I, I do? I do too. If you could, if you would go, we can all go. Oh, there's, there's a million. <laughs> no, no. Come on. Just follow the laws. <laughs> don't, don't let me cut in. Cause no, I was going to turn after you turned in. So don't stop when I'm in the middle of the intersection <laughs> now, which is an Atlanta thing, which is a mystery to me. We're, this is Southern politeness, y'all. Hey, I'll just. I'll just let him in. No, don't follow the laws. The decision has been made for you, and it keeps us in order. When we all write our own laws, then we've got ourselves anarchy, which is why I don't think there's an exception in Romans 13, 1 through 7. Please call 1-877-282. Hey, Brother Friel. Just listen to some of your thoughts on transhumanism and... I pretty much agree with you on all of that. My only question is, what do you think about amputees and people who are getting these prosthetics that combine with their body so that they can control the prosthetics with their mind to make them, in a sense, more functional as they were when they still had their arm? What's your opinion on that? See, that's where this AI business gets really tricky. It could have some human benefit. Medicine is here to serve us, to make our lives better. It is a gift of God. He heals through, he makes life better through pharmacology, surgical procedures, cures to cancer, So we love medicine. We want to take advantage of medicine. And when we come up with something that it's like, okay, wait a second, I'm affixing something to my body. It sounds like this could be transhumanism because it's a combination of technology in my body, but it could benefit somebody. For instance, Elon Musk keeps saying, well, this is going to help people with Alzheimer's. And I go, boy, that's that's that would be great if that's all it were. It were for let's categorize it not just as something that's available in the open market, but through medicine, through having criteria of need, we can take advantage of those. But unfortunately, we know that's not where it's going to stop. And Elon Musk has made that rather clear. You, there will be a day when you can receive a chip in your head. We don't 
We don't circumcise kids on the eighth day. We put a chip in their brain before they leave the hospital. That day is very possibly coming. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to anybody. Was talking to I, the young man was probably 28, somewhere in that neighborhood. He'd served in the Marines. He was our waiter at a pizza place. And somehow AI came up and he's like, they're not putting a chip in my head. I, I'm not sure anybody's going to dig that. I, I think that uh, what what's his new the, the guy who's got that look on his face, the Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, oh. he's discovered that people aren't all that thrilled with virtual reality. It has not taken off the way other uh, social media and electronics have. Uh, so we don't know that it's even going to become that popular. But there are some ethical considerations. If If we're putting a chip into our head so that we can enhance our brain power. Um, unless there is some sort of radical deficiency, I don't think as a Christian you can make the case that that is the right thing to do. That's adding to God's creation. That's altering the way that he has knit you together. Now there is something that is an effect of the fall. Could it be used? Well, I think that's a debate worthy to have, and we will be. But what about attaching some sort of uh, ampute- uh, what are they called? The, uh, the, um, Prosthetics. Uh, prosthetic device? Yep. After you've had an amputation and it connects with your brain, if it's just for the purpose of operating your limbs, uh, you, you can call one eight seven seven two eight two beep and tell me why I'm wrong, but I don't see that as a problem. I think that's taking advantage of medicine, human beings using the intellect that God has given them to better human life. This is going to be some. We're going to be dealing with these situations more and more. But if you're an amputee and there's some technology available, I would encourage you to take advantage of it. Hey, this is Charles from Texas. I've seen an increase, or it seems like it, uh, an increase in what's called deliverance ministry. This is the kind of thing where you see a devil behind every bush, every ailment, every worry, fear, addiction is because of demonic oppression. Doesn't that negate the Bible's teaching about sanctification? I mean, if you just have to cast out a demon, then what's the need for sanctification and walking in holiness and Bible study? And even like Paul said, you know, he he beat his body under subjection. Hmm. What was the name of the guy years ago who was really into literally a demon under every bush and deliverance ministries and building hedges and binding the devil? I, I think I know his name. I'm Googling it as we speak. I put in demon and his, no, that's not the guy. Boy, there's a lot of people that are, maybe you're right. The trend is actually back, but there was somebody, it was in the 90s, early 2000s, perhaps bondage. Uh, Jimmy, do you remember like bondage breaker and, and, and demonology sort of stuff? We need to recognize that people can indeed have demons living in them. A Christian cannot. Only an unbeliever. Oh, it was Neil something. Mm. An unbeliever can have a demon in them. Can we cast them out? Well, let me start with, you don't have the gift of casting out demons. We see the disciples given that ability because that's a pretty supernatural sign that is something that takes God's power to drive out a possessed person, a demon from a possessed person. But that doesn't mean that you have the authority to do that. So so what do we do with somebody who is demon-possessed? I think the answer is you preach the gospel to them. That's what you do. 
In fact, I think that I just heard John MacArthur from years ago say that very thing. He went into an office, somebody was demon-possessed, thrashing around, and he thought, I, I, I'm going to kick you out, demon. Wrong. And he learned via experience, what needs to happen is the person needs to be regenerated. The Holy Spirit comes in, the demon goes out. That's, that's how we deal with demons. Should we be aware of the tactics of the prince and the power of the air? Yes. Should we be focusing on him? No way. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Is our culture headed toward communism, socialism, or just a dystopian society altogether? Who decides what's good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Those are really great questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of you, our gospel partners. If you're a Wretched Gospel Partner, we humbly thank you for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy that they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner and help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel? Just visit wretched.org slash donate, or you can also text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hermeneutics. The Bible is not a manual. While it should be read literally, the books fit into a variety of genres, including narrative, poetry, prophecy, and epistle. 
How we understand and apply scripture begins with identifying what genre we are reading. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Making sense. Not bragging. Not smug. Not me. But I was right. We know just what he'd say. I go maybe come down there. So then we put it on the freeway. I got a sex Everybody let's go. Where did that come from? <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> you inserted that. Yeah, I did. Well, you blew my gag. I was going to be all snooty tooty because it was Neil T. Anderson. I thought it was Neil T. Anderson. It's Bondage Breakers. It was a book that was very popular about 20 some years ago. I was right about it. And I was going to be all smug. But that dude singing along with Churchside. <laughs> that was me. It was yeah, not. It was not, no. Yeah, because this this was on pitch. Sorry. Couldn't you fast forward it for real? So then we put it on the Here it comes. I got a Everybody He's pretty close, wasn't yeah, he? I think so. Yeah, I, I couldn't even see that note, let alone hit it. one 282 beep If you got yourself a church sign. Church sign. What you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. Oh, this is one of those church signs. It is not entirely wrong, but it's lingo that turns it more into a hallmark tritism, <laughs> kind of a me-centered affair. The, the part that's not entirely wrong is God made you the way that you are, but to use gift lingo, uh, like, like, like you're a gift, they, isn't that like you're God's gift to women? And then on the other hand, what you become is your gift to God. Well, we do offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. It, it is a sacrifice, but and I, you could call it a gift, but the lingo makes it sound like we're giving something that God has on his wish list that he otherwise wouldn't have. And we need to provide, oh, I'm so excited. So it's not entirely wrong. It's just when we when we put biblical truths into contemporary lingo that makes them man-centered, I think you need to keep working on your church sign. Church sign, God responds to Neil Mail. What? It doesn't even make any sense. I wonder how you spelled that. <laughs> N-E-I-L, like Neil Anderson, the bondage breaker. Uh, yes. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe the book was right after all. Was it K-N-E-A-L? Well, you wouldn't know, would you? You didn't see the church sign. It was a typo. (laughs) Hey, if you're going to do a rotten pun, please spell it correctly. Church sign. We have so much to learn from children. If only we will listen. Okay. Do we have so much to learn from kids? Hmm. Do we have anything to learn from kids? Yes. What can we learn from kids? We can learn what it looks like to be a Christian, to be born again. Why? Because Jesus said that unless you become like a little child, so I've got to now go study a little child. What did Jesus mean? I'm supposed to shrink? No, I'm I'm supposed to become tiny and wear garanimals again? No. What he meant is children have a, have a, a trust about them. 
they they have a belief that big people are going to be kind and good and keep them safe and 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 they aren't they don't tend to be as braggadocious and they seem to be a little less sophisticated in their sin life so all of those potential characteristics of children don't worry they're they're totally depraved little demons and diapers but they have that that sense of trust about them they look to big people to feed them change them clothe them commu- just take care of every need that's what we're supposed to be like i don't trust myself anymore lord i totally trust you like a child trusts their parent I am trusting my heavenly father. So Jesus does use children as something that we can learn. It's an illustration about salvation. Do we have a lot to learn? I suspect that was the type of church which is like, children don't go to war and we shouldn't either. Okay. That's not the type of stuff we learn from a kid, but there are things we can learn. And we do learn this. We learn that children are in heaven because of this illustration, you say, how do you use an illustration to definitively state that children die before an age of accountability, a level, I should say, of accountability, because there is no particular age, a level of accountability there in heaven. How can I say that so assuredly? Because Jesus said that unless you become like a little child, you will not inherit eternal life. If the illustration has no truth in it, it is not a valid illustration. It, 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 you, you've got the, the, the thing that you're comparing it to has to be a constant. There has to be truth in it. Otherwise, the analogy, it just totally explodes. So when Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is made up of such of these, you must become like a little child. That means little children are in heaven. If you've lost a child, you had a miscarriage. You aborted your child. I'm telling you, this isn't the only verse. Definitively, that baby is with you in heaven. Church time. Life is fragile. Handle with prayer. Yeah, I guess so. Aren't we? Aren't we witty ones? Hey, Todd, I got a church sign for you. Uh, our church is like fudge, sweet, and a few nuts. Hey, yeah, 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 hey. Yeah. Hey, I am suddenly bitter. Oh, why? Roger Pat. I'm not going to name Roger Patterson from Answers in Genesis on the radio or anything, but historically, did I miss it? He sends fudge to us. His family gets together and makes fudge, and they've been sending it to us for years. Did it? Did we have some fudge in the kitchen, and I didn't see it? Not sure. Huh. I don't know. And I used to think that Answers in Genesis was a reliable ministry. Way to go, <laughs> Roger. Church time, a mind for truth and a heart for God. We are serious about the gospel. Yay! I love that. You're telling everybody who you are. You're like that? Come and join us. I don't have a problem with a church advertising itself when it is not doing it as a bait and switch. That isn't. This is who we are. You like this? Come, visit us. By the way, I was having an interesting conversation with a buddy. This was, this was over Christmas. We were talking about what churches are known for. And some churches are, are known 
for expository preaching. And I get that because it's a big deal. It's an important, distinctive. It gives you a pretty good idea of what's going on in that church, how seriously they take the Bible. But I don't think expository preaching should be what we're known for. Now, I'm not trying to minimize expository preaching. I'm not suggesting you're a terrible church if people know you for expository preaching. But I would suggest that we should be known as people who love Jesus and will help you to love Jesus. And we do that through the means of expository preaching. Do you feel the difference in that? Because if expository preaching is the goal, it's really easy to become information sermons, word study sermons, doctrinal dumps, just information after without any goal. A sermon should have a purpose. And I think every sermon in one way, shape, or form, and, and I get it, there's, there's some variance in this. I understand that, and there's some balance issues. But if a sermon doesn't lead us to love Jesus more or to marvel at his grace and his goodness and his kindness and his faithfulness and his meekness and his love for us and his holiness and his righteousness and his justice, both the severe and the softer attributes, if, if, if it doesn't conclude with me loving God more, then, then your expository preaching it's, it's, um, needs an adjustment. Expository preaching is good. It is the best way, in my opinion, to preach through the Bible, one book at a time, sprinkled here and there with a topical sermon as the pastor deems necessary. But expository preaching isn't our focus. Our focus is Jesus. It's expository preaching that gets us there. That's a different emphasis, and it'll change the way you preach. Church time. All the world is made of faith and trust in pixie dust. All the world is made of what? Faith, trust, and pixie dust? Yes. Yes. Yep. Episcopalian, no doubt. <laughs> Church line, I know the things that I, I have, have for you. you. Says the Lord. I, saw, I actually saw a funny t-shirt. There's so many bad t-shirts that, that air Jesus. Ay, ay, ay. And then these horrible pun t-shirts. Some of the t-shirts can actually be worse than church signs. Hard to imagine, but they can be. I, the, the, the shirt that I saw that I... <laughs> You you can do all things through a mangled Bible verse. <laughs> yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> I got, I know the plans that I have for you. Does God have plans for you? Yes, he, he certainly does. Is Jeremiah a proof text for that? No, no, it's not. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs> <laughs>